In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. So continuing uh, Jesus' sermon on the plain from last week, where he begins to, to lay out the things of the kingdom of God, which should be, should be lifted up. Um, blessed are you who are poor, who are hungry, weep, and people hate you. Um, so this new uh, turned upside down kingdom of God where, where the world's values are not at, at, at the utmost highest, but, but the, the, the love and grace and power of God. So Jesus continues today basically saying, um, but I say to you here, which basically means if you're still listening, um, those of you who haven't checked out from my last thing that I just said about blessings and woes, get ready, because I got more for you. Love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who abuse you. Now, this isn't any more uh, remarkable in Jesus' day than it is today, where basically, I'm not sure, the, the, the movies that come out have to be 10 to 1 of those that basically say, you're going to get what's coming to you, right? I mean, those are the great action movies of retribution and revenge and all the rest of it, and you just sit there, can't wait for somebody to have their whole you know, life torched, ha ha ha, you know. Versus the ones that, that, that are, offer a glimpse of, of love and grace and, and hope. As watching one, a movie one day, and struck by the, the one character asked her husband how he could uh, forgive this, this great offense for him, and he says, well, it's easy, forgiving just uh, has have to do once. To not forgive, I have to do again and again and again, and it's exhausting. And this is sort of what Jesus is saying in this passage, really. To forgive, to love, to bless, you just have to do it once. To hold on to that anger, that hate, you have to do again and again and again and again. And it's exhausting. And it wears you down. And we have the passage from, from Genesis really is sort of thrown in there to, to highlight this. Um, the Joseph story is sort of a long story. It's almost like a little novel um, in, in Genesis, but we've we got to the climax. And so just for, for those of you who don't know or remember, the Cliff Notes version of jo Joseph was uh, at the time that the youngest brother and sort of the favorite brother or uh, favorite son of his father um, which is never a good thing to do to your kids especially when all the other brothers know but in any case you know he's got 10 older brothers and 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 joseph's the, the favorite and so he's he gets a fancy coat but then worse is that god gave him visions and dreams that joseph basically decides to share about how they're going to bow down to him, and that really didn't endear them any much better. Um, and so they decided to kill him, but at the last second they decided, let's not kill him, let's just sell him into slavery. 
And so off he went to Egypt, sold into slavery. And actually, God was with him, did pretty well. He rose up in the ranks of his master's house until he was falsely accused of a crime and imprisoned. And so now he's back to jail um, and doing okay in there, um, rising the ranks. Not that he wants to be there. And is able to interpret dreams and is able to do all these other things. And, um, and, a, and a baker and a cupbearer come to prison from, the, from Pharaoh and he correctly interprets each of their dreams. One dies, the other one gets reinstated. And Joseph says, don't forget about me when you go back. And the guy says, I won't. And then does, right? I mean, so. But when Pharaoh has this dream that nobody can interpret, then he remembers, ah, it's like this thing I was reading. And, and, uh, and they call for Joseph, and he's able to interpret the dream so that there's going to be seven good years of, famine, or of harvest and then seven bad years of famine that nobody will remember. So Joseph starts telling him about, you need to do this, this, and this. You need to find a good person to put this program into effect. And Pharaoh says, that sounds like a good job for you, which is right what rectors are supposed to do when people come. And they say, I was a great ministry. He said, that sounds like a good job for you. Um, right? So it's the same, the same type of thing. So, so now Joseph, we're in like the second year of famine, and, and um, Joseph's brothers are coming down. Joseph sort of plays with them a little bit, right? He, he sends them back with their money. And so then they're like, oh my gosh, our money is there. And then he says, you need to bring your other brother back. Like, and uh, so he's sort of toying with them. But finally, Joseph can't take it anymore. And he reveals that it's him. And his brothers are dismayed. Um, that's a good word. Or terrified is probably a better word. Uh, but just says, no, 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 like, I know, I know you, you meant this for, for, for uh, evil, but, but God meant it for good. He actually says that more explicitly a couple chapters later, but basically, God, you said, you said, you did this for evil, but God did it so that I would save lives. Um, and so here is sort of like exemplifying. Uh, what Jesus has just been saying, right? That that um, there's there's no reason to hold on to hate. I mean, Joseph has good reason to hate. Joseph was in jail for a good long time. He could have just been seething, and anger could just be building up, welling inside of him this whole time, just waiting for his opportunity to get revenge. Um, but what is that? Yield. Instead, Joseph begins to weep, to embrace, to speak. And, and even after their, their father dies a couple chapters later, then they're all afraid again, like, oh, maybe he just did this because our dad was alive, and now that dad's dead, he's going to come back. And so he says, no, no, no. Really, it's all okay. Uh, because it's so radical, right? I mean, because it's so radical, at least in the way that the world teaches, that, you know, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, and all the rest, 
Instead, Jesus says, if someone strikes you on the cheek, give them your other one. Someone wants your coat, just, yeah, here you go. And the amazing thing about this passage really is, is, is sort of twofold, I think, in that one, it's just completely, totally simple. Simple in that it's not difficult to understand, not simple that it's easy to do, right? I mean, simple in that the concept is easy to grasp. That if we, if we embrace the, the, the loving grace and power of God, if we exemplify the grace and loving power of God and allow that to work in us and through us, it, you know, amazing things can happen. Great love can happen. I mean, this is and maybe the one thing that we need to, to correct before we even move on to this this simple part is that we have to we have to sort of dismiss this this myth that's that continues to creep in all the time into various theology and churches of that God somehow is always waiting to trip you up right like it's God's it's, he makes it, he keeps setting the bar hard, higher and higher for you to get into heaven. Just when you think you get there, he like kicks the stool out from under you or whatever. Like, this is not God, right? We don't have a God who's, who's out there trying to, to set this uh, thing, or God just waiting for you to sort of uh, mess up. A God, who's, a God who is not wanting to lavish you with love and grace, but rather just wants to make your life not fun. Right? That's not God. Everything in the Gospels, especially in Luke's Gospel, all leading up to this, talks about the God who's, who's generous and loving and faithful. The God who doesn't want to just bless those on the inside, but those on the outside as well. The God is going to burst open the doors that all through, right before this passage, power is just departing from Jesus. Everybody who comes is getting healed. Everybody who comes is getting demons cast out. There's just the love and grace and joy of God is just outpouring all through John's gospel. This is why there's like the wedding at Cain of Galilee where there's just tons of wine and tons of uh, fish and bread and baskets being filled at the at the feeding of the 5,000. And all of this, all of these things that happen just are there to demonstrate the abundant love that God has for us. God has abundant love for us. And so when Jesus says, love your enemies, Basically, it's love your enemies because they're God's children too. Like, I don't love just you, choir. I also love these people over here. Right? I don't just love this Episcopal church. I also even love the Baptists. <laughs> I, I mean, it's funny. Who would guess? Right? I mean, it's the, it is that same thing. I love the people that don't even go to church, the people that curse God, the people that are angry. 
this is this is what uh, Jesus is saying. Your your responsibility is not to just love all the people that already like you. What credit is that? Everybody does that. Everybody does that. You're not special. You're not a good person, right? I mean, that's sort of what we, we are always trying to strive to be a good person. Make you a good person just to, to do that. Jesus says, no. Continue. Press. It's so that's the first thing. It's simple. It's easy. Not easy, but it's easy to understand and comprehend. The second sort of astonishing thing is is its scarcity. Because there's not a whole lot of it. There's certainly not as much as, a, as there should be in the church. Where there's still competition and there's still uh, sort of power plays or they're still hoarding God's grace somehow for us versus demonstrating that it's in abundance and generosity to the world. What would it look like? What would it look like if, if, if we just did more of this? If only just we did. A little bit. Just, just ratchet a little bit. Not all the way to the, don't, don't do it all at once. Ratchet it all the way to the, I mean, you can't you want. But I think just a little bit, right? Where we where we decide to look outside of ourselves and 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 say, what do I really want someone to do for me? And then go, I'm gonna go do that to my neighbor Bob, who always sneers at me every time I walk down the road or whatever, right? And, and I'm going to do this generous thing for them. Not because I expect anything in return. Not because of anything more than the generosity of God's grace and love that I have. This is what Jesus is inviting us into. How can we be vessels of the living God? And this is one of those things, and for Episcopalians, this is good news, because none of this requires you to have, like, the call to salvation memorized, or any of the Bible memorized, or to be able to say, you want me to lead you to Jesus, and you can be saved, or any of that. You can just do something generous, and loving, and kind. And that is evangelism and witness and living into the glory of what God invites us to be. That is being like Joseph to his brothers. Because let's face it, we could probably start, we don't, have to, we don't have to go to our neighbors, most of us. Most of us in here could start right in your own family. You don't have to go too far. Paige only got to go next door, right? I mean... You, you don't have to go anywhere. We know it because it's true. What would it look like to extend that love and grace there? 
hard thing. Simple, easy to comprehend. It's hard, not because it's, it's so hard to share God's grace and love, but hard because it does combat every aspect that the world tells us. Revenge, retribution. Instead, we're to embrace grace and forgiveness and love. So I'm not going to give great application. Instead, I'm actually just going to say a prayer for us because um, I don't know about you, but without the power of God's Spirit in me, there's no way I'm doing this on my own. So um, let's pray. Lord, you invite us to be vessels of your love and grace, serving those who we don't necessarily like, serving and loving those who don't love us back, Fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your wisdom, with your courage, with your care, with your empathy. You are a great and loving and glorious God. And we ask that you pour out your spirit upon us that we might mimic you, reflect your love to this hurting world. Come, Holy Spirit, empower and anoint us in this ministry, in this life. Amen.